We're on chapter 8 of the Gita. And this chapter is titled Union with the Absolute Spirit. And um, if you remember where we left off, um, it starts, this chapter starts with Arjuna asking a question of Krishna because that's where Krishna leaves it in the previous chapter where he introduces certain terms such as Adhibhuta, Adhyatma, uh, Adhiyagya, Adhidevya. He just kind of starts telling Arjuna a little bit about what the different aspects of creation are, how pure spirit through the causal world, astral world, the physical world, how it begins to come down and condense, how the vibration of Om, which just very interestingly, which I've not really tuned into before, Krishna calls Om as Karma. Karma is Om. Because Om represents that duality as we saw. And so the moment there is duality, there's naturally going to be cause and effect and the wheel just becomes almost self-perpetuating unless through these stages as Krishna uh, demarcates we're able to return back and unite using the very process of karma the very vibration of Om to ascend back into Krishna into spirit then he brings it to a very interesting direction and if after saying all these things, he comes to the moment of death. And this is where we left off last time. This was verse 5, where he says, He who at the hour of death thinks only of me enters unquestionably into my being. And this is where we'll start from um, verse 6. Again, kind of emphasizing the same thought. O son of Kunti, Arjuna, the uppermost thought in a person's mind as he dies determines his next state of existence. Last time we looked at um, death as one way to look at it, a subtler aspect of it, was that death is a transition state. And we thought about all the times, you know, the transitions that we have during the day, a transition between our breaths. That's what Hong saw is about opening that little doorway into breathlessness. During the transition of breaths, we talked about going from wakefulness into sleep. We talked about uh, noon time. Narayani gave a beautiful uh, kind of practice, which was in the middle of the day, kind of around lunchtime, where half of the day is over as you transition to really tune into what the next part of the day is going to be focused on. So Krishna is giving kind of a little subtle hint here. During those transitions, when we are moving from one state of being to the other, Whatever you're going to, whatever thought we hold at that time, that thought's going to dictate the energy that kind of returns back. Remember, we're still talking about Om. So transitions are these states of returning back to a state of balance, is neutralizing Om. So every breath, as we said previously, gives us an opportunity potentially to come back to that state of perfect stillness into spirit if at the moment of that transition, before the exhalation becomes the inhalation again, we hold Krishna uppermost in our mind. And that uppermost is the key part here. I mean, most of us at least who are tuning into this program meditate, or perhaps a better word would be say, to tr we try and meditate. And even in our meditations, it's so hard to keep God uppermost. <laughs> I mean, this is this one time where we're like saying, this is only for God. I'm only, you know, this is what this meditation is about. Even then, 
we struggle and we fight and for a moment God makes himself known in our meditation and then you know the thoughts of the day and the what we want what we hope our attachments I mean all sorts of we start playing out fantasies I mean it's just meditations while we'd like to think when we're sitting there still beautiful our attention here you know when you look at somebody you, you kind of think wow I wonder how deep he is look how serene he looks look he's not moved at all but we know inside it's it's not the same as it looks outside isn't it so now when we come to the time of death which is interesting why krishna brings death because every life um, is essentially a preparation for us for the moment of death it's the most inevitable aspect of our being if we've been born we are destined at least in this particular form to return back uh, to transition out of this form and death becomes the way our guru said the final exam so krishna over here is kind of telling us what that final test is going to be and the final test is at the moment of death what is your uppermost thought we can almost think of our entire lives preparing us for that last final uppermost thought and that's what krishna wants us to it's almost a very clear enough goal okay because oh i'm going i want to merge into god i want to sit in meditation i want to enter into states of samadhi may happen may not happen it's also a shortcut of sorts that krishna is saying well if you don't make it you know during your lifetimes of spiritual practice that moment of death gives you another real a very real opportunity to make that shift to merge directly into god the caveat being at that moment god has to be the only thought the only truth vibrating in us and that is extremely hard as we're just talking about in our meditations if i can't do it when i consciously put my mind to do it if i can just hold it a little while and then you know lose it so easily imagine in a moment where all of it's coming to this a crashing moment of everything the sum totality of what i have been in this life is now coming to a moment of end it's not going to be easy to be just completely like ah oh, now i'm thinking of god no because we'll think of everything we've experienced we know how life is said to flash before us you hear these beautiful stories of people who've had near death experiences you know they go across they enter into this tunnel of light there's a being of light with them for some people who are christians they see christ for those who are you know who are atheists they just see this kind of benign um energy you know form or some people don't even have a form and they just hear this voice coming so it's about how you tune into god as krishna himself says as you approach me that is how i come to you and so people find a guide waiting for them and they get to really experience their lives and the thing is that the last uppermost thought of being god will only be true if we can look at our life and see how often we thought of god how much we kept god with us in every point and this is where he goes into the sec- seventh verse therefore so first he just says oh think of me you know as if i if you think of me at the time of death you'll come to me and a person might think okay that's great you know i don't need to really work hard now i'll just wait till the moment of my death think of god in that moment boom done but then of course he 
builds from there. Somebody might just take this passage from the Gita and just say, okay, I'm going to use this passage and I'm, I don't need anything else. And then he says, therefore, remember me throughout life and fight the battle of right action. Surrender to me your mind and understanding. In so doing, you will without a doubt come to me. So that becomes the thing. We're trying to prepare for an exam where if we've not really worked at it throughout our lives, chances that we will at that moment be able to do that. Yeah, we'll be able to kind of hope and bring God in, but it won't be with that intensity. And for a true devotee, a true aspirant, somebody who is truly seeking freedom, because at the end of it, that's not necessarily what all of us are looking for. A part of us is, but not necessarily. I mean, it's obvious right here, right now, to me, there's definitely a big part of me that's seeking freedom, that wants out. But there's a lot of other parts of me that's kind of enjoying what I'm doing, you know, even enjoys getting upset. I mean, it's just like, it's so involved. So I'm not going to be able to, at the last moment, just separate that part of me and say, no, I don't, I have nothing to do with this part. Only the part that wants God is now suddenly going to blossom. That's not going to happen. I have to build it. In fact, that's what we're doing, aren't we? I've got a lot of aspects to myself. One of it says, I want freedom. And our entire lives is about making this aspect little more, little more, little more, little more. And these other aspects, a little less, little less, little less, little less. Every experience, everything we do is about that process. So that at the time of death, at least this is a, this is a big chunk of who we are is already established. Because when they do this life reviews, the kind of really touching part, sweet part, eye-opening part of those people who've come back, what they say is they just realize all the parts of their lives that they thought were so important were really not significant at all from the perspective of what they were needing to receive in that life and all the things that they thought were insignificant ended up being of course not all in all but many of them and uh, in many such cases the this angelic being always asks them these two questions for some it's this one question for some it's two and the question is how much have you loved and for some of them it's an additional how much have you learned and so that becomes if we can use these two words as well these two kind of viewpoints from every experience that we're doing because again God can be an abstraction sometimes for us that we're not tuning into we're not able to realize how am I supposed to tune into God you know here I am I'm chopping vegetables okay I could sing I could do a japa I can do a mantra I can listen to chants I mean yes but what what's what is God here right I mean is it just Krishna do I have to keep saying his name over and over again and these two uh, kind of questions help attune ourselves to God there, because there are two aspects of God they're trying to help us attune to. God is love and God is wisdom, right? How much have you loved and how much have you learned? And if we can tune into those questions as we work, as we do whatever we do, we're tuning into God. And then automatically when we come to that final moment, uh, it won't be so hard because we would have already reviewed our lives. Every day we're tuning into how much have I loved, how much have I learned, how much have I loved, how much have I learned. And there's not that much at the end that the angel can show you. He'll just be like, wait, look at that. You loved and you learned as much as you could. And that's all. As much as we could, we learned and we loved as much as we were able to. And in that moment, 
we will only and only know and feel and think of God. And that's what Krishna wants for us. Surrender to me your mind and understanding, he says. Now, for um, normally I would think of mind and understanding as just two words, similar words that Krishna is kind of trying to just re-emphasize. Swami makes a big thing about it in these in the expanded version where he like really wants us to tune into he says Krishna would never waste any words <laughs> so if he said mind and understanding he wants us to tune into them also separately as all that we receive is the mind remember man we talked about those four aspects man is this just complete receiver of everything we're able to perceive we need to start tuning into as God before it even comes into us and then the understanding is the experience of how we then relate to it outwardly. Oh, I've understood it and this is how I act on it. So both aspects need to be tuned into as God. That which enters into me, that which I'm perceiving and receiving is divine. And that which I'm putting out is Krishna as well. And Krishna wants us to surrender both those aspects to him. So we're going to have to be very mindful throughout, like really aware of everything that's passing through us, everything that's passing both into us and out of us, kind of figure out which part of this is Krishna, how am I tuning into him, what am I learning, how much love am I putting out? And uh, that's the way we'll, that's one way for us to surrender to him. And it's a very active way because that's what he, he's also saying previously, right? Remember me throughout life and fight the battle of right action. And this is where Arjuna is really confused because he doesn't know if he should fight, if he shouldn't fight, if this is right for him, or if this isn't right for him. And Krishna is like, it's not so much about whether you fight or whether you don't fight. Really, the remember me while you are doing this kind of becomes the key here. Because we can all just keep going through lifetime after lifetime, fighting the battle of action and even right action over and over again. But until and unless we bring in God, it'll just continue. We'll just keep doing this again and again. And in fact, all of us who've come to a point where at least enough of us wants God, uh, enough of us is desperate for that experience. It's only because we've done this so many times without him. We're like, finally, like, you know, there's a missing ingredient here. Um, we just did a discipleship ceremony a couple of days ago. And the way Swami wrote the discipleship vow, just really beautiful. There's a first part of the vow where the disciple to be is just kind of listening. These are words that their own heart perhaps is saying, which is, you know, for so many incarnations, I have walked with my own strength and all too seldom with yours. You know, I have walked with this thought, I have walked with, this is what I want, this is what I need, this is who I think I am. And at some point, we have to surrender it all. Not for, it's not necessarily that we'll be able to do it each time, but that becomes the intention. And that's what Krishna wants for us, especially in those transition moments. Whatever we've lived, we might make a mistake, we might not have thought of him at that time, but then before we move on to something else, we can bring him in that's the kind of the little shortcut aspect that he's offering us that person this is verse 8 attains the supreme effulgence effulgence i don't know o partha who his mind by long practice firmly fixed on me thinks only of me 
by long practice. He then continues on. The yogi at the time of his death attains that supremely effulgent state provided, provided that with deep love and with focused power through the practice of yoga, he succeeds in penetrating his conscious energy through the kutastha between the eyebrows. So he's essentially stating three conditions for what will bring us to that state where at the time of death, Krishna is the only reality for us, provided that there's deep love. So first and foremost, of course, there's devotion. Almost a no-brainer, but this devotion isn't just, oh, Krishna, Krishna, Krishna. This is like, you know, I live for Krishna. I'm so devoted and dedicated to God. That's what I live for. No matter what I'm doing, somewhere, somehow, that's the guidepost. That's where I'm going. That's the kind of love, as we always talk about, the love of a mother for a child is that she just lives her life revolving around the child. When is she going to sleep? Depends on when the child is, you know, asleep or allows her to. What she's going to eat depends on what her child is doing. When she's going to do whatever. All her thoughts are always on, oh, does he need anything? Does she need anything? And that's the kind of awareness we want to build. That's the devotion we want to build. So there's devotion. Then there's focused power through the practice of yoga. So there's yoga mastery as well. Little by little, we start to master our life force. We start to master the body. We start to master our mind. And for these, we have techniques so that we really include and integrate these techniques as much as we can through daily practice. And then he says, and he who succeeds in penetrating his conscious energy through the kutastha, and this is concentration, the ability to take all that life force that the yoga practice gives us power and control over, and then to be able to single-pointedly hold it at the point between the eyebrows. Our Guru Yogananda said that, if for 24 hours you can continuously and consciously keep your awareness and your energy at this point, even in those 24 hours you could become a master. And it's really, 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 really hard because you'll think you'll keep that like the same intention. Okay, wow, oh, 24 hours, that doesn't seem like a long time. I could do this. And you place your attention there and three seconds later, it's gone. You know. Even if you put reminders. Even, yeah, I mean, we've tried it all. Okay, you know, every half an hour my phone will ring and remind me to look up. Okay, look up, look up, look up, look up, look up. You know, I mean, we did, we played all yeah. sorts of tricks with the mind. And sometimes you do better and sometimes you don't. But that's just the kind of power that's needed. Is even just to hold your awareness at the point between the eyebrows for 24 hours. I mean... It seems like it's not a big ask, yet we're just unable to do it. Give that kind of, you know, deep concentration and focus, penetrating always the energy experience. And Yogananda would say, when I cook, you know, I don't need to taste the food because I'm, I'm just, while I'm cooking, I'm just tasting it from here. We would talk about when you're relating to people rather than looking at their eyes, try to think that you're looking at them from your spiritual eye to their spiritual eye. So these are very kind of practical ways we can try to keep our attention there. But it's so easy to forget, to slip and mostly just to completely lose the fact that this is what I'm supposed to be doing because everything else is 
a little bit more interesting. And so those are the three aspects. You see Krishna kind of telling us, oh, at the end of your life, if you just think of me, you know, it's easy, it's done. Then, of course, he starts adding a little bit. Oh, but, you know, that means throughout your life. And this also means that you need this. And then finally, he says, all this will happen provided there's deep devotion, there's yoga mastery, and there is single-pointed concentration. Without these three things, we won't get to a point where at the time of death, Krishna is the sole thought. And if he maintains his attention unwaveringly on that being who, beyond all delusions of darkness, shines like the sun, whose form is subtler than the finest atom, and who is the ultimate support of all, and the great ruler of all, eternal and omniscient. So after saying all this, he's like, and of course, you have to maintain your attention unwaveringly all throughout. He's, now, he's no longer talking about at the time of death. You have to maintain your attention unwaveringly on that being who is beyond all delusions, shines like the sun. And here, Yogananda really talks about, it's not just, uh, Krishna is not just being poetical here. He's not just like, ah, oh, this being who's effulgent and he shines like the sun. Krishna is essentially really saying that you need to be seeing the light of the spiritual eye. And you need to be entering into that light on a quite regular basis. Only then are you going to be able to attune and merge into that reality. It's not just, ah, oh, God is light, God is light. It's not a mental affirmation. You have to experience God as light. And then, as he says, whose form is subtler than the finest atom. Again, it's not just a, oh, yeah, Krishna is this subtle, vibrationless, changeless, eternal state of consciousness. You have to experience it. Our Guru would say, it's not enough to study the atom. You must become the atom. And that's what's being asked of us over here. It's not enough to just know Krishna, uh, you know, do some mantras, have studied the Gita. You must become Krishna in the awareness of merging into him daily. I will now relate to you briefly, I like the word briefly, that truth and the method for attaining it. So Krishna is now about to drop in an actual technique. This is that method with which Vedic seers declare to be immutable and which sannyasis gain by dissolving their attachments through a life of self-discipline and transcendence of all passion. Passion here, of course, doesn't mean the passion, but essentially all desires, little by little, need to be stripped away until the desire for God remains as the sole guiding force in our lives. And that's the beauty of the spiritual path, really, is that it's not a one-time, you know, shake it all off and then just God remains. We kind of use desires almost like a ladder. You know, I take this and I try to drop this one, replace it with a slightly higher desire, boom, and I just keep jumping up because the life force and the energy has to also move with this flow. And our desires, we talked about the chitta, we talked about likes and dislikes the, in the four aspects, if you remember, if you followed, as you know, being implanted within our shushumna. And they are the activating desires. When they get energized, that's the desire and that's the tendency that gets manifested and expressed from us and through us. And so we're trying to just move the energy up slowly. 
you know, it'll be lovely and that is why none of us can really keep our attention single-pointedly here for 24 hours because there is not enough magnetism here. Our magnetism is pretty scattered here. And so while the intention is to keep it here, but this vritti, this chitta is, I am far more active than this guy. So the energy gets drawn there. So we use desire little by little by little by little. So it's how you transcend all passions. And transcending passion is not a one-time thing. I've transcended this passion. I just create, create a higher passion and I create a slightly higher one and I create higher, 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 higher. And I just kind of start to ascend up creating more and more magnetism in the higher centers of my awareness. Verse 12 and 13, and this is where Krishna gives a very specific technique. That person reaches the highest goal who closes the gates, which are the openings of the body, sequesters the receptive mind in the heart center, and channels all his life force to the brain and engages steadfastly thereafter in the practice of yoga. Such a one, established in Om, the holy word of Brahman, is able to remember me at the final moment of his emergence from the body. Now, I mean, it's like, after Krishna saying this really simple statement, remember me, hold my thought and my name at the very end of life and everything will be fine, you'll come to me. Now he's put, so many conditions. <laughs> it's like that person who's like done all these things will be able to remember me. That ability even to hold Krishna as the only thought at the end comes only after we've done all these things. Is able to remember me at the final moment. So what is he saying? What is this technique? Who closes the gates of the body, sequesters the receptive mind in the heart center, channels all his life force to the brain and essentially becomes established in Om. Now for many people, this means, you know, just kind of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Just a general understanding of meditation. Oh, I have, you know, all my life force has gone into the stage of Pratyahar, energy has interiorized. For some people, they think being established in Om means that I'm just chanting Om all the time. But of course, this is a very specific technique. Both, there are two techniques on the path of Kriya that we practice that Krishna is relating to here. One of them is called the Om technique, which is a very specific mudra. Again, about physically actually closing uh, some of these openings. And then other technique is the Jyoti mudra, which is also uh, fairly well known in Hatha Yoga, which is another mudra that you do where you close all the five sensory kind of openings into the body and then you focus completely at the point between the eyebrows and this is not about chanting om but it is about actually listening to the sound of om and then vibrating with om and then merging with om and our guru said you will not have that state of final samadhi until you have experienced om samadhi which is this where you first hear the sound of om then you're able to expand that sound of Om throughout your body where you feel every cell in my body vibrates as in, is in perfect resonance with that vibration of Om. And then you expand it further out until you feel Om emanates and vibrates everywhere, all places simultaneously. And there's no more difference between your form and the Om within you 
and then the om outside you but it has to be perceived it's not just chanting om over and over again the name of god is that om vibration but it has to become a reality in our meditations and this is a technique available in many paths also in the path of kriya both jyoti mudra and the om technique so if this is something you're interested in and you don't practice you know reach out to some place where you could learn these techniques because krishna is saying this is a very very effective way to do it closing the openings getting into that mudra getting your attention really focused here and bringing all the your mind here doesn't mean the mind where i have to drop this mind here but it is to bring all that chitta all those things that occupy our mind which is in the shushumna needs to be at least brought up to the heart which means you have to have done some yogic practices even before you won't just sit down close all your openings and then just hope that's all it's going to take you have to first have done enough other meditative practices first to have established your mind your chitta the movements of your brain in the heart before you can practice these techniques in order for them to be effective verse 14 o partha arjuna i am reached easily by that yogi of single heart whose heart's feelings are focused and uplifted and who daily continuously keeps me in his conscious and is wholly focused on me so again and again krishna is just driving that point home it's going to have to be an entire life's practice for each of us to get to the point where truly at the moment of death there's nothing else left and that moment is a moment of freedom and we can find times and this is where it helps me to think of death as that transition state because i can't i often can't think of god all the time like i you know it's a good day when i have thought of him more than you know a few times or more than during my practice or more than just in a time of prayer or more than just in a time of stillness and where things are calm moment some of us get restless it's just that's it it's just gone but if we can tune into these transitions these are our key moments before i move from one activity to another before i shift you know one form of thought to another before a, pa- a part of the day moves to the next part of the day if i can just tune into these transitions first and if in those moments i can bring awareness of krishna i mean that already is a huge huge step there's a another greater beauty here which krishna will come to in much later chapters is of course that at the end of the day when there is just this deep sincere sincere devotion and love for god he doesn't expect us to follow all these things you know he's not going to say oh you didn't wholly think of me all the time so cancel you're not going to make it as our guru said once or maybe more than once he said even if you do 1% of everything that i have taught you you will find god so even in the gita we can perhaps take that teaching a little bit and just say okay and that 1% really is that deep deep sincere wanting if that's there so much of it becomes just grace and then we're not as long as we think of the spiritual path as technique based then we're kind of bound to get these techniques right but if we really feel 
that the spiritual path is really grace and opening ourselves up to that grace, then we're able, if we do 1% and we do it well and we do it right, God does the rest. So maybe that's a nice place for us to leave it at God does the rest. I was thinking when Krishna was talking about the moment of death and how life itself is really a preparation to face death. And I was thinking how many times I have died even within one day because death is really the moment when we need to let go of everything. And many times I find myself during the day where I'm not really able to let go of that particular way of doing things, of that specific thought pattern, of what I think that person should be behaving. And I, I start seeing how difficult it is to really let go of things that we think are our really self-definitions of who we think we are. Death is that moment where you offer completely who you are, surrendering all that you have, all that you have built, and, and just offer all that unconditionally into God's hands. And that state of letting go something that is so precious to us, it's a very difficult practice. So I was thinking perhaps it's going to be very important for us to practice a specific technique that Swami Kriyananda gave as a way to keep training ourselves psychologically, mentally, energetically to face that moment, not only when death comes, but that specific karma that will come to us and will take away that thing that we are attached the most. For some people it's about possessions, for other people, you know, it's a particular lifestyle that we think we have to protect. And for other people, it's also a personality of our own that we have created all those things will need to shatter at some point. And really will be asked, what are you willing to offer? To, to offer up. And Swami Kriyananda gave this specific technique because one of the main issues is that we are so afraid to let go of that. So he said, every night visualize at the point between the eyebrows that particular thing, relationship, thought pattern, lifestyle, whatever you are attached to or whatever you are 
afraid to let go of and visualize that person, project, self-definition, attachment being taken away from you and remaining yourself in that, let go of that specific aspect, free, a sense of freedom and train yourself to get ready to face that moment because it's going to come to us. Absolutely everything needs to go so we can realize who we truly are, which is not this face, this hair, you know, this, this personality. I need to know who I am in essence. And I will only find that out when everything goes away. So this could be a very good practice. I remember Swami Kriyananda at the end of his life making very strong statements, spiritual statements, and one of them was, life can take everything away from me, but there is one thing that nothing and nobody will ever take away, which is my love for God. That shows the state of consciousness, the state of freedom that he achieved and that each one of us are aspiring, is aspiring towards. So building that bonfire, visualizing yourself, facing your greatest fears and you know giving away and letting go of those attachments that we have created and acquired over not just lifetimes, but in this lifetime.